0: Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative, and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at www.nacubo.org.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nakubo In Brief. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Megan Strand, your host for today, and I am very excited to be joined by Randy Vanderhoof, Executive Director of the Smart Card Alliance and also the Director of the EMV Migration Forum. Hi, Randy. Hi, Megan. Thanks for being here today. Well, we are going to talk about EMV smart cards today. And it seems to me by all levels of expectation that you are the expert in this field. Um, So why don't we start out with the basics and talk to us a little bit about what exactly is EMV and why the U.S. market is adopting this technology now.
0: Sure, I'd be happy to, and and welcome everyone to uh, to this uh, to this opportunity to share with you information about this topic. Um, so, what is EMV? EMV is a, a global security standard for payments that is based on smart cards or referred to as chip technology. Um, that impacts both the payment cards that are in the market as well as the devices that are used to accept payments. So EMV has been around for for many, many years. Uh, It was developed in Europe and spread throughout the developed world. Um, And the U.S. is actually one of the last developed countries um, to adopt this um, payment security technology. The decision was made back in 2011, early 2012, by the four major payment brands in the U.S., Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Discover, that they were going to move the U.S. payment platform from the existing magnetic stripe-based world to the more secure and more globally interoperable chip-based payment card technology that we're starting to see today. So I'm sure many of you have received new cards from your bank, and those cards have a shiny little metal plate on the front of them, sometimes they're gold, sometimes they're silver, they have different shapes and sizes, but it's very evident that these cards are slightly different than the cards that you had in your uh, possession before. And some of you were surprised, perhaps, that you got a card in the mail when your previous card had not expired yet. And so the reason for that was that the brands and so the issuers of those cards, as well as the merchants in the market, um, all used October 1, 2015 as the target date for when this technology was going to be implemented here in the U S and so financial institutions have been preparing for the last three years and over the last year or so, have started to issue these new chip cards in the marketplace. Likewise, the merchants in the world that accept your credit cards and debit cards for payments um, have been going through an upgrade of their card acceptance infrastructure in order to be able to read the chip on the card, which is done slightly differently than how we would normally swipe a card through the payment terminal device.
1: So how exactly does EMV, this technology, reduce fraud? Because clearly that's the end game here, correct?
0: Yeah, fraud is the primary reason why we're making this massive investment in new cards and, and new payment acceptance devices. And um, to understand how the chip adds to security, um, it's helpful to start with a basic understanding of, of how security is, is managed with um, magnetic stripe cards that had been in use for all of this time. And so um, the the payment information that uh, a finance institution um, puts into uh, a payment card has uh, traditionally been encoded on the back of that magnetic stripe on that card. And each time you swipe to the card through a terminal, you would read that information from the mag stripe. And that would be what The bank would use to um, identify you and authenticate that that card is an active account and has uh, credit available to make that purchase and would send an authorization message back to the merchant uh, indicating that they could accept that card and, and complete the transaction. The challenge with that technology is that the magnetic stripe is not very secure. So um, it's very easy um, for criminals to be able to either make duplicate copies of that magnetic stripe and stripe data and basically represent that payment card in a counterfeit or a clone copy form and use that card as if it was the original and so what EMV does differently than magnetic stripe does is EMV uses the computer power of the chip to add additional security data each time that payment card is used to make a transaction that extra data is um, makes that payment information dynamic and that means that it's different every time that card is used. And so the system behind reading and, and validating that data is now able to determine whether that card that was used that made that payment transaction, A, is an authentic card, and B, that that information was not intercepted or copied and used to make a duplicate Um, payment transaction by somebody else in some other location. So the power of the chip on the payment card adding dynamic elements to the payment transaction is going to significantly Um, affect the ease in which um, cards are counterfeited or when data breaches occur at a merchant uh, location or a bank and and all of that account data is stolen, that uh, the criminals will no longer be able to use that EMV chip data uh, to make counterfeit fraud or cards for, for fraudulent purposes.
1: So how does all of this impact higher education?
0: Well, first of all, higher education is operating as a mini um, community, right? So you have a variety of business operations in higher education. Some of them are internal to the operations of the university, and and others are um, are merchant or e or commerce, you know, locations around campus. And so this EMV chip technology change impacts all places where payment cards are currently accepted. So um, on the business side of of the university, bursar's offices and and libraries and things where um, people are are making um, payments on their accounts uh, with credit cards, those acceptance locations are going to be expected to read the chip as opposed to reading the magnetic stripe in the future, and then all of those merchant locations, whether it's the the quick service shops or the gift shops or the bookstores or the um, the stadiums and 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 external events that happen on campus, where payment cards are accepted, um, likewise uh, they will be expected to um, to read the chip because the customers, those um, students, faculty, and visitors who, who, who do business on campus, um, are likely going to have one of these new payment cards in their wallet. and And let me take a minute and explain what are the consequences if the acceptance part of this does not upgrade to emv perfect so um one of the 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 drivers for getting both the issuers and the merchants to make this compatible upgrade is that the liability for fraudulent transactions is going to shift to whichever party is least secure in the payment transaction so the easiest example is to say that a a a student or faculty member um, comes to a uh, a business on campus and has a chip-enabled card in their wallet from their bank and they want to make a payment. Um, if that payment device where they're making that payment is not capable of reading the chip and requires that that transaction continue to use the less secure magnetic stripe, then If it turns out that that payment card was a fraudulent card or a counterfeit card because a magnetic stripe-only terminal would not be able to detect that it was, then the issuing bank, when that cardholder reports that that transaction was fraudulent, will be able to assign responsibility or charge back the business that accepted that chip card as a magnetic stripe card. And so the risk for chargeback losses associated with counterfeit card activity on the university businesses who have not upgraded their business to accept the chip card um, will increase the risk that that business has of having to absorb a cost for a fraudulent card transaction, where in the past, usually the financial institution was responsible and and was and accepted that, that um, fraudulent cost. But now they'll be able to pass that cost onto the merchant if the merchant is less secure than the card that was used to make that transaction.
1: But assuming that business has the both the terminal as well as the software updated, then the liability does ...remain on the financial institution, correct?
0: that's correct and and so the 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 current rules stay the same if both the card is more secure and the card acceptance or the merchant is more secure Um, then the rules um, that are in place today remain in place which is that there are certain responsibilities that the merchant has for accepting that card namely that uh, if it's over a certain value they have to capture a signature Um, they have to receive an authorization message from their from their the issuing bank uh, before they complete the transaction, um, and um, then um, if that transaction turned out to be fraudulent, they would just be required, if asked, to present proof back to the, um, the issuing bank that they did follow those rules, and then the issuing bank of that cardholder would be uh, responsible for that, uh, that fraudulent loss.
1: So since we've passed this October 1st date, are, outside of the things you've already outlined, are there other things that university businesses should be watching out for or prepared with these new rules?
0: It's often a challenge for um, small businesses in particular, and even some some larger operations, uh, to understand these these changes that are happening and know what they need to do in order to be um, able to be in compliance with the new EMV specifications. So what we recommend is that, um, you know, if you're responsible for the business, meaning you are the merchant of record um, that are accepting these payment cards, um, you should be working with your um, payments processor, which is either a financial institution that, that is affiliated with the, with the university or Perhaps you have a a third party agreement with a a payments processor and you should be um, um, in in conversations with them to make sure that, all of the places where you are currently accepting payments um, have the new equipment to accept EMV or at least have a plan for when that new equipment will be installed so that you protect yourself from that higher fraud risk of uh, if uh, if fraudulent activity happens now after the the liability shift if the you know the university franchises those businesses out to contractors. Uh, right then it's a little bit different because the university is not liable for their payment risk or fraud and so those on campus businesses really are are responsible for themselves in order to uh to make sure that they are in compliance um there the the important thing is that there is no um there's no mandate there's no law there's no um specific requirement that says each and every merchant or each and every place where a payment card is going to be accepted you know must use the chip card or else it really has um been put in place as a uh, um a uh, a choice But the choice comes with additional risk. So um, to be safe and certainly to um, to make sure that uh, you're meeting where your your customers are at, which are the people that are sensitive to their security and see the chip cards as being a more secure way to pay um, that you're you're. Um, able to meet their needs.
1: So you referenced third parties, and often university businesses are owned and operated by third parties. So what should university business officers do to be managing their compliance? Because- uh, I, I don't know what the risk factor is there um but I would imagine that that's a significant issue and a and a potential risk
0: well it it is a um it is an issue for for the business managers of the campus systems to make sure that their customers, which are the 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 college students and and faculty and staff and and visitors um you know are able to to transact safely and securely on their campus, Um, but since those third parties have their own payment acceptance agreements with their own banks, uh, then it's likely that uh, it really is an individual decision on those businesses part of, um, of when to upgrade and, and how to upgrade. I think from a, from a, a, a university business officer perspective, um, I would first concentrate on those um, places on campus um, where they have direct responsibility Um, for the 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 merchant agreements they are the merchant of record um, and make sure that they have um, their um, equipment upgraded and and in place and or at least have a uh, a plan to do so
1: so just a quick question as an aside at the emv migration forum is do you have some sort of checklist that you could potentially share with our audience that we can include like a link to in our show notes
0: um, uh, we do have some resources on our website that will do this, and perhaps I can uh, I can provide you with that link to that information, and you could look at it and decide how to how to distribute it. But um, it really comes down to um, just um, being aware of the change, um, doing an inventory of all of the places on campus where you currently accept credit cards and debit cards, and then having a conversation with your service suppliers if you own that equipment then perhaps you need to get bids and costs to to replace it if you're renting it or leasing it or it's part of a larger service package then I would I would be looking at those agreements and seeing what language is in there that covers you in the event of a liability for counterfeit card activity and be aware that that since the rules have changed perhaps before that agreement has expired that those those liabilities may no longer be accurately displayed in the current agreement, since the acquirer or the processor has already been imposed on their changes of the rules um, for liability with their, um, the, with the brands, and, and so they may be um, asking or requiring of you amendments to the agreement if you agree um, to not um, make that uh, investment in the new technology.
1: Now, what about Campus One card systems? Do those need to be compliant with EMV?
0: Well, this um, liability shift um, only applies to cards that carry, you know, one of the for major payment brands. So if you have a campus card that has a banking relationship associated with it, then the uh, ID number that's on that card is also a, a, a bank account number. Um, then perhaps you should you know be working with your bank partner to see whether or not they will be providing you with a um an EMV chip card as an option down the road uh if your campus one card system is not um associated with a financial institution but you know is um managed or or is using one of the the numerous um um declining balance uh, account systems uh, that are commonly used on on campus, um, then none of the liability shift rules apply, but um, it would apply to those merchant locations where that card is accepted off campus. Um, So if there are some uh, agreements made uh, to accept the campus one card um at merchant locations off campus those merchant locations may have upgraded to EMV um if those cards still have mag stripes on them they'll still work as MagStripe stripe cards but that merchant may look to see that these cards have chips on them as well and so it really needs to be um a, a conversation that that you have depending on what the current one card systems um uh, capabilities are in terms of of interfacing with the outside world and the 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 branded uh, payment environment like uh, Visa Mastercard.
1: Lots of complexities here, and you've been you've done a great job at really digging into some of the specifics here. I want to ask uh, a final question that's a little bit broader question, um, and that has to do with millennials. How might their payment habits change as a result of this technology? In your opinion?
0: Yeah, millennials are really um, driving a lot of uh, new innovation in payments, and I'm sure. Where um, the 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 population that is most frequently um, involved in in those transactions on campus are using their mobile devices a lot more, um, they're doing peer-to-peer uh, payments uh, with solutions like Venmo and others um, on a regular basis, and using a lot less cash and uh, doing things um, um, on mobile devices that that most of us um, are aren't quite. Comfortable with or familiar with yet, um, one of the really interesting byproducts of this um, uh, move to the MV chip technology is that the the new terminals, the new reader devices, often have the capability of being able to interface with a mobile phone in order to have that mobile device make a payment on in, in place of a card. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, many students are iPhone um, users and. Apple has come out with Apple Pay, in which um, um, Apple f- iPhone users can, can load their credit cards and debit cards into their Apple Pay wallet. And then at merchant locations, which accept um, um, this contactless or NFC um, form of payment, um, would, people can, can make their, their purchases with their phone rather than bringing out their card. And so, for for a, a university that wants to cater to their clientele, and their clientele um, looks for merchant locations which will accept um, their mobile device as a payment option, then uh, by by upgrading their device to support the EMV chip card technology, that that. Um, NFC or mobile acceptance feature is often comes part of that new uh, that new payment terminal so uh, the the millennials are 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 driving some of the new innovative ways in which um, payments are going to happen in the future around phones, wearable devices um, and 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 other um, methods of payment that are not traditional to uh, the the normal credit card debit card rails and so um, part of the investment in making your campus more secure and re- re- less re- less uh, um, vulnerable to fraud also um, allows you to meet where your customers are at in terms of um, being able to accept their new forms of, of payment that uh, perhaps they couldn't use in those locations before.
1: That sounds like a whole separate show. We'll have to have you back on to talk just about... Cashless pay systems.
0: (laughs) Yes. uh, I'm learning an awful lot uh, by attending some of the new payments conferences and hearing the trends that are happening, um, particularly with uh, uh, not only, you know, iPhone, which is one of the early adopters, but now Samsung has come out with their version of of the mobile wallet and Android or uh, has come out with something called Android Pay. Um, And so um, we're going to see just more and more of this, um, this uh, convergence of, uh, of payments and, and other uh, electronic transactions um, driving through the phone and so uh, it's a good way to start thinking about the future and, and doing it now with the investment that's uh, going to also provide more security
1: Excellent. Well, we'll know where to turn in the future for for more information on that. Thank you so, so much, Randy, for joining me today and for this wealth of information about EMV. You can find out more about today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast in iTunes so you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Randy and myself, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Nakubo in Brief.